The Chicago Bears fall in their third exhibition game of the season, 24-21 to the Buffalo Bills. What happened during the game? Who played well? Who didn't? Nick and I will break it all down on this episode of Bear With Us. What's going on, everybody? My name is Robert Schmitz, and I'm so excited to be here with Nick Whalen talking Chicago Bears on Bear With Us. And finally, Nick, we are done. The preseason is over. How'd you feel about this game overall? Uh, I felt, I guess, iffy, but that makes sense for a preseason game. And, and the main reason I felt iffy is not because of how players played, because, again, they're they're supposed to be rusty. But because we had some injuries, that's like the thing I don't want to see. Yeah, that's that's never fun at all. And I'll tell you what, purely because it blew up on Twitter, I feel like we have to just address the elephant in the room. First things first, Nick, this Bears offense is not the offense that they are actually planning on rolling into the season with. <laughs> And and that doesn't mean that somehow the fact that Fields and the rest of the receivers, et cetera, looked a little rusty running it is somehow excusable. It's not like that means that automatically they're going to be better. But it felt very obvious to me that the Bears entered this game with the idea of, well, we're not playing Fields for no reason. And it makes no sense to run our run first offense. We're going to go out there so that we can throw the ball a couple times. And clearly... Fields, I think there there was a clear lack of trust between whether it's Fields and his offensive line, Fields and his receivers, Fields and the play calls. Fields seemed like he was playing a little slow until that third drive opened up. And I, it's as if I could see him say, nah, screw it. I'm not throwing an out route. I can run for a first down here. And that's what I'm going to do because I'm Justin Fields and that's my game. Screw this. And <laughs> almost mm-hmm. like he got frustrated with being kept in a practice box. I don't know. Am I off my rocker? Like from what you've done and been involved in, in your coaching past, these kinds of games are used to tune up specific things, right? Oh, I mean, like, for example, I mean, so, so in, in, in high school, even you have the scrimmage before you'd have your first game in the scrimmage. You don't want to show anything. You want to show some, the most basic of the basic, and it might not look great, but that's fine. You just kind of want to get into like a game flow and then that's it. And hopefully not get any injuries. And in fact, even I remember some pregame warmups were in the middle of the season and some of my receivers or quarterbacks are excited about maybe some new pass concepts we have or whatever routes. And they're like, oh, hey, I want to run this in the pregame warmup. And the other coaches are standing, you know, 15 yards away. And right. I'm like, no, what are you doing? Don't show <laughs> this because then they'll be prepared for it. So no, I don't care that it was a little sluggish and there's some rust. That's supposed to be what's happening right now. If they if they were again, remember last year? They oh man, that last game, I think it was against the Browns. They had a couple of touchdown passes and we thought things were rolling and it meant nothing. It, it's it, it's not you're not game planning. There's right. nothing's complicated right now. And not to mention, I mean, you're taking a starting quarterback in a pretty important year. Justin Fields makes a statement here. He's on collision course with an extension. And honestly, if he doesn't impress, he could be looking at getting replaced. This is a big deal year. And suddenly he's being told, oh, by the way, Justin, you are going to play with one of your starting offensive linemen. I also would be like, wait, we're going to do the drop back game and I'm going to play with the twos. Are you sure? And Mm -hmm. I'm not about to say that 
that definitely like it's so funny because I think people will effectively over uh, use and abuse the power of the clicker when they're talking about quarterbacks bailing out of clean pockets, especially when we're talking about ultra mobile quarterbacks like Justin Fields or bailing out of the pocket clean or not is usually a better plan. I'm not trying to, I don't know, cape for Justin Fields. Like there are pieces to this game that definitely are worth criticism, but this is where I can't help but look and say that, we only judge football players traditionally off of game planned reps that happen during the regular season. This is a glorified practice rep. Practice is ugly. People try things. People are blatantly uncomfortable because they're doing the thing that they're least comfortable with in many cases. And this mm-hmm. felt, especially in those first two drives, very much like that. And it doesn't help anything that the Bears were using just a basic, I think it was inside zone, maybe it was duo, but I bet you it was inside zone rushing attack that was getting absolutely nothing on first down. So you were handing, whether it was Fields or Bajan early, second and 10 for starters, and that is just no fun for quarterbacks. Yeah. Well, it reminded me last year. Oh, there's a there's a hold, there's a false start. Oh, now it's first and 15, second and 15. It's like, and now you're hoping this not good O-line and not good weapons is going to make it work. The the other thing you have to add into this, but besides it being vanilla and besides having the backup basically whole O-line, um, well, okay, and Whitehair is over there with, I think he's got a little bit of a, you know, a cast or whatever taped up hand. You don't have Chase Claypool. I know me and you disagree on maybe the level of uh, where Claypool is in the offense, but at minimum, he's the third best receiver. So you don't have him in there either. So you're going to have him. He was running routes before the game, by the way. So that's a good sign. For Very good. One. So, so you had all that in there. And and I no, I'm not really that concerned about it, but I do want to touch on one point that you had. And and you may have tweeted about this. And this is, I think this is going to be a bigger discussion is Justin Fields isn't Tom Brady. He's not. Peyton Manning, he's not Drew Brees. He's not going to have a 75% completion percentage, one, two, three, quick get it out of his hand all the time. That's not the type of quarterback that he is. He wants to push it down the field. And when he scrambles, even on pass plays or because there is a pass rush, I, I listen to The Ringer often. Uh, I don't know if you listen to The Ringer or not. They have some They're really great. smart guys over there. And they, they did this whole a podcast in the offseason series. And, and, and I, I like learning about quarterbacking. And they talked about the evolution kind of of this scrambling quarterback and like what it means. And, you know, they talk about injuries, which a lot to, that's a big issue. A lot of time people right. think they get injured a lot, but actually most of the injuries or the most time missed is by immobile guys getting hit in the pocket. So that's one thing to keep in mind. But the most positive EV or, you know, I know people love the DVOA or whatever you'd want to say. The most positive play a quarterback can make is scrambling. And you could even look last year like Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones had this big, almost epiphany season for the Giants. And it's because he scrambled a lot more in as a part of that scheme. And so when Justin Fields does take off and, and run like he did today, it's a huge gain. Throwing a completion for... 15 yards is probably actually more difficult than it is for him to run. Okay. Now, if you wanted, uh, you know, another quarterback to run, I know Bajit looked really good running, but it's not as positive of, of a play because it's going to take much more to get there. It's in his wheelhouse to do it. It is a huge, um, if you want to talk about war or, or, or positive plays to, to generate wins, it's almost better for him to scramble. So honestly, I would like fields to look 
read one to two. And if not, then look to scramble because it's going to help us win more games. Oh, yeah. I mean, the main thing I think about, let's take two completely separate plays. OK, we're going to take the first and 10 play that Fields passed on, scrambled, and he turned what I think most quarterbacks would have gotten about five yards out of into 13 incredibly easy looking yards where he didn't even really take a hit because he basically dropped his plant foot out of his weight and just spun with the contact. So it's about as safe a hit as you're going to get. Anyways, I digress. On that play, Fields saw what he needed to see on the right-hand side to realize that the defense was overflowing, that there was opportunity for him if he just jumped out and took the yards in front of him. Easy, easy yards. But more importantly, the defensive coordinator in a setting like that is going to panic. I know that sounds hyperbolic, but when the quarterback makes it look that easy to pick up free first downs, you put your head in your hair, uh, or I know a lot of defensive coordinators are bald. So you put your head or your head or your hands, hands in your on your head, and you say, Oh my gosh, we have to commit extra defenders to stop him from doing that because we are going to get smoked if we let this kid do that all the time. On the other hand, Tyson Bajant later in the third quarter. Uh, converted a big third and 10 to Nasimba Webster, where the play before, Bajant rolled out, hit, I think it was also Webster, uh, on the deep over route, ball hit him right in the hands, could have easily been a catch and fumble, just saying, because he took two hits, or he took two steps, and the ball popped right out. And then the next play, he found Webster on a slant over the middle. That play, though, you're not freaking out. You're not adjusting. You're saying, rats, they got us. Let's keep running our normal defense. Not because Bajant is unathletic but because the fields the things that fields does nick in my opinion they're outside the bounds of normal football and the moment you get into that uncharted territory defenders have to think up a new plan basically so instead of quote unquote running our defense doing the things that your defense is fast at and is comfortable with you have to do something kind of customized and it's exactly how fields with Equinamia St. Brown, Dante Pettis, and a host of other, let's say, under-talented receivers were able to hang 29 on Dallas, who at the time was one of the best defenses in football, hang 31 on Miami, who outmatched them certainly on the on the edges, hang 33 points, was it, on a New England team that was incredibly good defensively. I mean, you basically end up bringing it's as if nick from what i can tell the bears bring this super super gimmicky plan to the table that forces the defense to adopt a new plan and when you catch that or when you have to when you catch an opposing coach having to think up something else you create room for error that that offense is able to exploit and, and two of those defenses were top 11 in the NFL and just scoring, but they were top 10 in DVOA. So you right. want to talk about like how good they were, even they were struggling. And with all that said, the bears were number one scoring offense in a month, which is like yeah. the most, like I thought about that today, you know, cause we're like, how much better are they going to get? You know, whatever that just the odds that, that, that team with all of the dead cap that they had and the, and trading away of defensive guys and not really investing, you know, it was going to be a long-term plan was first in scoring in a month is a, is just like a miracle that shows yeah. you the talent that fields has. But if those top defenses allow him to run and, and they know it because they saw it earlier, they're like, well, okay, this guy can run. They saw it last year and earlier in the season. And then they dedicated to running more with him, but if they can't stop it and it continued on, I don't know the whole season, it's a part of who he is. And 
this isn't going to be a, I'm not a big hyperbole type guy. I like to call it really right. how it is, but I've studied Lamar Jackson. I've studied Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, et cetera. Fields is the best scrambling quarterback in the NFL. And that's not really even a debate. Lamar Jackson's good on designed runs. They design things really well for him. He's a great athlete. Jalen Hurts is a little bit more stronger and they have a great O-line and, and they, he gets more downhill. He's almost like a running back. They have it designed for him. And Josh Allen, I mean, he's just a big guy that just doesn't care about his body. and He, he, can, he can run a little bit, but he's just not the, the same scrambling quarterback. That's why Fields had these 50-yard runs. I mean, there was a there was a play against Minnesota where I think it was a screen to the right. He pumped. It wasn't there. So then he had that Ran big touchdown run that got called back. Mm -hmm. That's just him improvising and scrambling. Like, he can do things that no one else in the NFL can do, which means coordinators are pulling out their hair. Maybe that's what happened. They had it, and they, and they pulled yeah. it all out. <laughs> you know, I mean, sleepless nights for them. They have to make up something new, which is going to make more receivers open. And it's, I mean, to, it's going to look rickety at times. Let's just call a spade a spade. Or it's going to look like the Titans game where Fields had one drop back and it was a screen. And in seven plays for the Titans where they scored two touchdowns. I mean, I tend to think that there are going to be a lot of situations where people are going to either try to attribute a lot of what's going well on the offense to players other than Fields, or they're going to try to point to specific moments. And I don't know, we already kind of saw this, didn't we? Where the entire offseason, people went, if you take away the rushing, Fields is this. And it was like, well, yep. you, you can't. Like, you could probably do that with a quarterback like, I don't know, even Daniel Jones. Do that with Mahomes. Like, Mahomes, as I understand it, still picks up four or 500 yards rushing. Like, it's not, not a part of his toolkit, especially in the playoffs. But we don't need... Josh Allen's rushing to make the case that Josh Allen's a strong quarterback with fields. That's kind of his whole bread and butter right now. Like to take that away gets pretty unfair because he's so good at it, but let's stick to the preseason game a little bit. I thought the throw to Cole Kmet, like if we were going to just lightning round through the throws, I, I hate this specificity, but I know how much people are drooling over like talking about Justin Fields, even throws like the low one to Cole Kmet. That's a good throw. Like it looks low to somebody who says it's low. And it's like, yeah, but it's late. Fields knows it's late. You have to put that throw down or your guy gets his head taken off. Like mm -hmm. it's or it's intercepted or it's intercepted. It's exactly where it should be. The throws to DJ Moore on the slot fade. Honestly, neither slot fade was good. Like nope. the ball needs to be on the other side or the other side of the receiver, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. You and I could talk about that plenty but there were even some of those throws that were just not near as bad the throw to Khalil Herbert is another one people will look at that and they'll say well why are you throwing it to your running back so hard and it's because and it's like well because we like it when the running back gets the ball earlier right you throw it faster the ball reaches the player faster well, and, and the linebacker was right there if he didn't have heat on that then Khalil Herbert really would get injured oh yeah and I'm not trying to I, again I don't need to make some case that every throw from Fields was perfect today. It's more to say, I am seeing this on Twitter. Maybe I'm just too close to the matter, Nick, so you tell me. But I'm seeing this on Twitter where every incompletion is becoming a feather in the cap of Fields sucks. And quarterbacks throw incompletions all the time. And if they don't, like you're talking about with Drew Brees, it's because let, let's back up and talk about uh, baseball. 
because I think the Drew Brees, Peyton Manning example is a great baseball metaphor. These guys are like David Wright for the Mets back then, like a 350 hitter with a great average that gets on base a lot. They set the table. Other people drive the run in. Fields strikes out a decent amount, and he always will because he's a power hitter in the traditional sense. Most quarterbacks, when you look throughout history, Nick, haven't been playmakers. There just aren't a lot of them. People say, people look back and they say, well, historically those guys don't win. And it's like, yeah, because historically they haven't existed. Like, mm-hmm. we've never seen a quarterback run for two 50-plus yard touchdowns in his career. Fields ran for three, including the ones that weren't called back, in one season his second season, we're obviously looking at a different guy. And it's okay to say that out loud, that this Mm -hmm. is different. We don't have a good statistical corollary for this. Like, we don't know what this is going to end up being. Well, it's kind of like, it's kind of like Otani, who like sadly got hurt, injured. But it's like, well, take away his pitching and he's only this. It's like, what? Like, he's an amazing pitcher. Like, what are you doing? That makes the whole player. Honestly, it reminds me a lot of, and I was high on this guy coming out of college. Reminds me a lot of Josh Allen. People really dog Josh Allen for completion percentage. Oh, look at his completion percentage in college and look at this and look at that. Completion percentage isn't everything when a player makes plays down the field. Really, the big one of the huge factors in winning is chunk plays. And that guy makes chunk plays and he's evolved into throwing checkdowns, which he didn't do in college, which affects your completion percentage. Early on, people laughed at incompletions in training camp. In preseason early in his career. And it reminds me a lot of Justin Fields. It's because mm-hmm. when you see something that you can't define or people aren't as comfortable with, you're just going to make fun of it. It's someone that's new at your work or whatever. And I don't know this guy, I don't trust him. So we're just going to make fun of him, whatever. That's what it seems like when, it, when things aren't great. Okay. This is why it's, it's not great, but that's just how he's going to be. You're right. He's going to, it's kind of like a power hitter. He's going to strike out sometimes. I'm okay with it because even on third and long, he has better odds of, of converting that than your average quarterback. Absolutely. And I, I just think it's a funky conversation because you end up with this eye test, especially during the, pre, the preseason, because guys get two, maybe three drives, and suddenly we're labeling Fields as having a bad performance when he throws for two touchdowns because we didn't like the way he did it. The eye test is, in a normal football game, over four quarters, you could not like Justin Fields all you want to he scored 31 points against the dolphins hard to say he sucks in in a setting like that right but in the preseason with three drives yeah i mean if you really want to go eye test you can and people love guys like tyson badgett brock purdy distributors right i mm-hmm. i feel like that's been the common way people have played quarterback so i don't blame anybody like you want to see the guys that get the ball out fast because people don't like remember remember what joe montana what steve young what uh, randall cunningham like they saw some highlights but they really grew up in this west coast like renaissance with brady and romo and breeze and rivers and manning and also eli manning like almost all of them were West Coast quarterbacks. Rodgers is one of the best West Coast quarterbacks probably ever, in my opinion. And they made it look like if you didn't have a quick release, honestly, you should just get out of the league. And that's great. And the problem is, is that a distributor will max out at making his skill players, let's say 
a healthy 15% better than they actually are. And when you're Brock Purdy and your skill players are George Kittle and Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, and at any point, at any point, Nick, if you don't like the read or you forgot the play, like whatever level of mistake it is, you could check it down to Christian McCaffrey. And that's <laughs> never the wrong decision. Like uh-huh. something, somebody could be wide open 45 yards downfield, checking it down to Christian McCaffrey's an automatic seven. That's just never bad. Let's move mm-hmm. on to the next play. With mm-hmm. I, I can't help but think that we do this a lot because I've seen it a lot where we'll take a home run hitter like Kyler Murray or Justin Fields. We'll run them out of town so that we can get a distributor so that we can start running our wide receivers and our offensive line out of town where mm-hmm. the moment it's quote unquote, not the quarterback. Well, now it's the skill players fault. And it's like, well, take a look at this. I mean, Justin Fields threw, I think one of the most Justin Fields passes he, he could have thrown today to DJ Moore. where let's Nick, let's call it like it is right at this moment. I hope it changes. At this moment, Justin Fields is very good at throwing a catchable football, but more often than not, is not perfectly placed. And I think even he would tell you that. DJ Mm -hmm. Moore had to go down to a knee to get a ball that I thought... uh, I thought Justin Fields navigated the underneath linebacker and threw it to DJ Moore much more on time than I've seen him throw that route normally. DJ stood up, broke a tackle, and ran for another 25 yards after the catch Mm -hmm. because he's a beast. That... It's fine. We will take that. Like, good weapons will make you great plays, especially with the space that Justin Fields' legs should afford as we move into real game planning and people trying to take him away. I, I'm i just not that worried. Well, so so two things. One is, um, with your San Francisco um, uh, example, Trey Lance versus Brock Purdy is this exact conversation. Yes. People, because even Kyle Shanahan saw the benefit of having a Trey Lance type of player. Now, again, I didn't believe in Trey Lance. That, that doesn't matter. And he didn't work out. That doesn't matter. What matters is he saw the skill set and how it could add this different level to the offense that he didn't have before. Because he had that with Jimmy G. He already had this right. distributor. And he's like, if I can get this, it's going to be monumental changing for my offense. And that's why they gave up three, one, well, sorry, two ones to move up and a three. And it didn't work out. But so th- that just shows you that one of the best, quote unquote, arguably play callers or offensive minds in the game sees the benefit to someone that can run the football, change the box number count, and you know, just make plays on their own versus the distributor. Uh, on the play to more, by the way, with something that's interesting, which it was a low throw. Um, it was basically, it was Y cross. Um, and so for people that don't know, and and um, Buffalo used it against Chicago today as well. But on Y cross, it's your opposite side slot is running all the way across the field. And it, it can change depending on the coverage. And more ran across and then saw the coverage and didn't run into the coverage, which one huge benefit to more. He's a smart receiver and he knows what he's doing. So he sat down and I didn't know if fields thought he was going to sit down, you know, a yard earlier and that, right. you know, or, 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 and he sat down later and that's what affected it. But I would rather someone miss low than high all day. Sure. Um, the other one you talked about the, the low throw to, to commit, which I, I agree on. Behind there, it was it was a levels concept, you know, flooding that zone over there. More had the, the middle route and he had this this outbreaking uh route and he should have settled and he didn't 
uh, or at least he didn't yet, if Fields would have waited longer. And I don't know if Fields was one, not trusting the O-line. It's like, ah, I don't know if I'm going to wait for more or didn't know more or Mooney was going to um, settle down or not. He's like, I'll just throw this to come out. So, so right there, what I'm talking about, that is why you need to report your receivers and why you have to trust your receivers, which we did yes. not have last year and how, how that changes everything because they have to read coverages and adjust their routes. That's why there's site adjustments. That's why this game is way more complex than, hey, run this, uh, what it says on the playbook, on the sheet, and, and someone has to execute it. Football is way more complex. And you're exactly right. I mean, I'm glad you brought it up because it would sound like an, ex it's an, an excuse if I said it first, but now I get to talk about how, yeah, I mean, there's no guarantee that Moore and Fields, who were very obviously just adjusting, that wasn't Moore's quote-unquote route. They saw the play there, and they said, no, 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 I can get it to you. And Moore said to himself, yeah, 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 he can get it to me, and bent back for the ball, and that's going to create inaccuracy because you aren't throwing to a spot. You're just kind of throwing the ball to, to some player. And Moore made plenty good on it. We want this. We want that trust that we that we've been pining for all offseason but it's going to create haziness room for error players in slightly different spots until they've done this for a year or more like i think there's this rush to see fields blossom and by blossom of course we mean 450 yards um Per game, by the way, like the, the standard gets insane. I mean, you could feel it building up on Chicago mm -hmm. social media forum posts on DeBear's blog. I could feel it where there was this element of if Fields doesn't throw for a touchdown, I think I'm going to be disappointed. And it was like he threw for two and we didn't feel any better. Like, I, I know we want frozen ropes and MVP play, but of course it has to be through the air because on the ground doesn't count. But like it's. I think that at some point we are working ourselves up into a true frenzy and it doesn't really help. It's so funny because I have seen Tyson Bajant go from this fun story that absolutely everybody loves to he should start. And it was like, all right, hang on. Uh, <laughs> oh, like, wow. That's happening. I, I've seen just enough of it to be like, okay, let's talk about this. Like, because Bajant is athletic. Bajant is so fun. Bajant is a rookie and you could see it. Because whether Doris Fountain ran the wrong route or not, an interception was going to happen eventually. And we saw mm -hmm. it on that third down where I don't know if you caught this, Nick, that pass that got tipped at the line. Oh, he threw into blatant double coverage. Oh, that was going to be a pick. That yeah. was a clear pick. Yeah, yeah cause, <laughs> cause it, was, it was bracket coverage. It was, it was nickel corner and linebacker. And the linebacker, he might have picked six. And I was like, oh, you got lucky. And I really love the fact that Tyson Bajant has come in as this experienced athletic player with the world's weakest red flag of I played at a D2 college like this is your ideal developmental QB2 that I think could become a, a Shanahan style Case Keenum Nick Foles like that QB2 that can flex into a QB1 role if you really needed him to but he makes a lot of quick decisions and in the NFL there is literally nothing worse than a quick wrong decision you would rather have a guy like Justin Fields, who basically never throws the ball, because uh, realistically, out of, I think it was Fields' 11 interceptions, if you go back through, you can strip out about four of them as clear garbage time forces. He just didn't throw that many picks, all things told, but Bajit would throw probably one a game. I love Tyson, but that same edge that gets the ball out quickly, it has to go to the right place. And as a rookie, the defense is going to get you every once in a while. 
They're paid too. They've got defensive minds that are going to try to show you, oh, hey, you played at Shepard. You have 2,000 reps of experience to where when you see this, you know this is coming. What if that doesn't happen? What are you going to do then? Mm -hmm. And the ball's out of his hands before he's ever seen the shift. You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, we saw guys, I mean, if you listen to the Play Caller series on Mm -hmm. The Athletic, which is awesome. Well, yeah, you referenced it the the other week on this. Um, Jared Goff, one of his issues was post-play action uh, coverage rotation, and he could not diagnose what was going on, and he kept failing. That's a guy that was the first overall pick that went to Cal. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't think this is going to happen to a rookie. It's going to happen all the time. Trevor Lawrence was making wrong reads in the playoff game against the Chargers last year. He's And he was like the best correct prospect since, you know, sliced bread, LA, you know, whatever you want to say. Everyone makes mistakes. I think that's one thing that people don't bake into this. Patrick Mahomes makes mistakes. Mm-hmm. Josh Allen makes Joe Burrow makes everyone makes jo, Jalen hurts through a couple of picks against the worst defense in the NFL last year, AKA the bears when they played each other hurts and Allen both looked terrible against Chicago. Yeah. They won, but they looked, yeah. it, it's so funny because you listen to popular media people. I'll specifically mention Dan Orlovsky. And I don't know whether the guy who was talking to Dan was being serious or not, but the quote that Dan gave on ESPN was that a quarterback's coach told him that it co- that you're going to get about 61 to 62 snaps at quarterback, and you have to make the right decision 61 to 62 times. If you make 60 of them wrong, you're going to get benched. And I'm and again, I don't know whether the coach was just saying that to help Dan Orlovsky understand his position as a QB two, QB three. Like truly, this I I do not want to turn this into a dunk because it's just not real. I've seen most quarterbacks are going to make probably 10 to 12 mistakes. Uh, over the course of a given game. If they don't, that's really something. Or in veterans especially, like Aaron Rodgers, you're just not going to see as many mental mistakes, though you will see the occasional play where he just stares at Christian Watson and waits for him to get open. And it's like, I'm just not going to put in the work on this one. Go go get me one. Well, something that's interesting with Rodgers is, I think one of the things that he uh, values the most is not throwing interceptions and how that's affected him over his career. I mean, there's lots of different ways to quarterback. There's not just one yes. precise way. And one thing, actually, I just saw a video recently um, about how a huge percentage of his passes aren't over in the middle of the field because over the middle of the field is where a lot of linebackers, safeties, tip passes, interceptions Just a lot happen. of bodies. Like yeah. all, the, all the rolling is going to happen yep. there. Because yep. to use an example, to build off of what you're saying, nickel corners, let's... Uh, so... For the listener, if you envision a defense and you envision, I mean, honestly, just think of like any Madden play where you can envision all the zones and the dispersions there. Most of the time, the nickel corner has an independent responsibility. It's not a given that in cover two, the nickel corner is going to play that hook curl zone that you would expect them to. They might be in man. And it just depends on the play call because the nickel corner, depending on the offensive formation that they're shown, might not be in a position to where that zone helps the defense and they may just get manned up. So there's enough of these moving bodies like you're talking about, Nick, where what looks like it's going to be a cover two alignment that's definitely going to be open is cover two on the outside. But the linebackers better reflect cover three. And it Mm -hmm. completely shifts the landmarks on where your guy would be open. And instead, suddenly, you get one of those throws. You've heard this a million times, haven't you, Nick? He threw it right to him. And it's like, yeah, he did. Because he didn't think he'd be there. 
there's nope. just so many human beings that stand in the middle of the field that any normal throw between zero and 20 yards is on a trajectory where if you miss one guy, it could be fatal for the offensive drive. Yep. Yep. hundred percent. I mean, that, that was the first interception of the year last year for fields where Hufanga picked it off because he was a robber and fields thought he was dropping back. And I think in, in cover four and he's like, Oh, this seems wide open. And he stared it down and he's like, where did he come from? Yeah. Yep. So that happens all the time, but we got to get to the rest of this game, man. Yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a great quarterback conversation. Um, if people really want more of this stuff though, I mean, just reach out to us. I mean, we can definitely do different segments on this. Cause I think it's a, it's a huge, huge conversation to have. I'm blatantly glad that we spent time on it though, because I think it's, I think that there's this element of quarterbacking in Chicago that a lot of people need to need to at least see the other side of the argument. Because I really do understand anybody that grew up, watched football in the 70s, watched football in the 80s, watched football in the 90s, watched football in the 2000s, that gets to 2023 here and is like, ah, Lamar Jackson's not a quarterback. Like, yeah, quarterbacks have traditionally been distributors and they've been operators. And along comes this quarterbacking group that is – it better reflects a playmaker. Like they are playing a similar role to the hybrid running back wide receiver. Like they're stretching the defense. They are a problem. Instead of being the brain of the offense, they are one of the many gears of the offense of which a, the offensive coordinator drives a, like basically just has to take a little bit more of the burden of getting the offense into the right position. It's a whole different thing. It's like, it's blue compared to watching red all your life. Does that make mm-hmm. sense, Nick? Well, well, and, and we talked about Trey Lance and how a great offensive mind wanted him in Kyle Shanahan. The same thing happened with Sean Payton in New Orleans. They're like, why did he give Taysom Hill all Taysom of this money? Hill. It's something completely different that he was super successful. Super successful. That's why these running quarterbacks go empty all the time because it's like, okay, cool. Who are you going to have in the box? Because you're either going to have too many guys in there to stop me running the ball because I can do it very effectively or I'm going to have great matchups on the outside, whether it's a screen or it's something, a quick game or whatever it might be. So it just changes the game so much. It's like, I don't even know. It doesn't matter what you're playing, some video game, right? And let's just say you leveled up and everyone else is playing at the other level. You're like, I'm going to crush everybody. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a whole different thing. And like you're saying, we need to just lightning round through the rest of this game. So <laughs> let's go drive by drive, I guess. Right. So Bears defense comes onto the field. And I don't know if you saw what I saw, Nick, but the starters that hadn't played in a while. I'm looking at you. Tremaine Edmonds looked pretty rusty. The Bears game plan was as vanilla as vanilla gets, which is always weird with the Bears defense because they kind of love vanilla cover, too, anyways. So you're like, OK, is this the normal defense or are we going really preseason mode? But the defensive line did not have a phenomenal day no. and got slowly chewed their way down the field. Now, a lot of the bigger names came out after a couple plays. It's the preseason. If you don't want to overblow it, you certainly don't have to. But I don't know about you. I, I came away pretty unimpressed. What about you? <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I was pretty much expected for me because one, I don't really have high hopes for the defensive line this year. And they didn't really they, at any point, the Titans went up and down the field against that, that interior, especially Billings looking at you, Justin Jones, looking at you. Um, one thing I did like, I'll, I'll pull out a positive here is I did like TJ Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds. I saw multiple times how fast they were yes. and they actually flowed too far in pursuit and allowed cutbacks. But I'm like, 
I haven't seen that kind of athleticism out of a linebacker. I'm like, I kind of like this because one of the big things that I value in 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 my my philosophy for defense is making guys cut back, like stopping people from getting to the perimeter, running outside, and then all the flow gets you inside. Like if you can have make someone have 15 five yard gains to get a touchdown, yes, versus these huge chunk plays, I think you're good. It's gonna be better for you. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Bears defense, to give him a hat tip, forced a bunch of third downs that we would have liked the down and distance. We're looking at like a third and six, a third and four isn't bad, a third and ten in the red zone. Like you you look at that and you say, well, we didn't get just blasted the whole way down the field. And like you're saying, Jermaine Edmonds's lateral ability to pursue the football should really help the Bears in as they... Are, you know they're going to have to go up against a bunch of these opposing stretch running games. Like, it's only becoming more and more popular to attack the edges of the defense. And if number 49, I think it is, uh, can just fly to the football and push them even further out towards the sideline, you'll take what usually could be 8 to 10-yard gains, convert them into 5 to 6-yard gains that occasionally get blown up for a loss of 3. So... I see this as a win for the defense. Yeah, the interior needs to get better. Maybe the Bears keep an eye on cut candidates there, but it kind of wouldn't surprise me if this is just the way it is for a little bit. Yep. 100%. One, you are correct. Tremaine Edmonds is number 49. Thank TJ Edwards, 53. So those are the two big guys we're going to be looking for. Um, yeah, we definitely need to add because even later in the game, which I'm sure we'll talk about some of it, but just the interior guys, not the second team, the, the young guys. We'll talk about them, I'm sure. But the, those third-tier guys, Roy, who I thought about keeping early, you know, last podcast is, is a no now for sure. Like, yeah, he didn't show me anything. Um, but then also, I mean, Kyler Gordon in there got schooled a little bit by Stefan Diggs, which he's going to Stefan Diggs is good. Also, <laughs> Buffalo was good. Okay. Listen, Josh Allen made that play thrown across his body. He's one of two in the NFL that would do something like that. Like, let's just, okay. They're good. Okay. They made some crazy good plays, but yeah, Kyler Gordon was close. I mean, I think he's closer than we thought. I think he's had a really good camp. That was that was intriguing. The the back end, we we have some work to do too. So there's so much of this stuff that I look at and I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's it's neat to take away some examples from this, but they're just not doing the things that they're gonna do in the season on the back end. And those mm -hmm. change a lot because if you showed Trey Lance to use an example, uh, in last year's week one game, if you showed him a static look the entire game, then he never gets picked off by Eddie Jackson. And that play pretty much iced the game just by itself. A player like Kyler Gordon is going to get used within a bunch of disguise stuff. And right now, that's not really what I remember him doing. Maybe the All-22 says something else, but I don't think it will. I think the Bears were pretty vanilla the whole way down the field. And, and that's fine. It just means that in a post-game podcast, Nick, you neither you nor I has a bunch to get super excited about. <laughs> and that's, no, that's okay. You know, one thing that I was shocked that I saw is on the few snaps that I saw Yannick Nagakwe play, that, that pursuit play, when he yep. might have got flagged for jumping in that pile. And I'm like, that's my guy. Like, I want the guy that's going to put it to the edge and he's going to jump in that guy and he... Maybe he forces a fumble, but he's hustling in a preseason game. Right. I like that. I, I can't help but think that Yannick is looking at this situation thinking, look, I don't think he's super loyal to Chicago, but it doesn't help 
Yannick to hit free agency again next year. Yeah, I know you're making the money expression. Yeah, Nick, show me but, the money. But like the next season after this, if he hits free agency again, everybody's just going to increment all the numbers. They're going to say, well, now he's 20. I think it's like nine. Maybe he's 28. He's going to be on his seventh team in six years. And it's like it. At some point, he has to he has to land a deal with a team that likes him, or he's gonna just end up being on this one year deal circus forever. Maybe he's okay with that, but I imagine anybody doesn't want to keep having to buy and sell their house this many times, right? right. But right. moving on a little bit, I loved Nick that the Bears gave Tyson Bajet such a long, long look where it, it feels as if they basically came out and said, we're rostering him, which that's neat. But if, if they weren't, this was exactly how I would have gone about giving him his final tryout, so to speak, where you put him in against the twos. He's been playing against the threes. The twos are a little faster. You give him different people to work with, and you say, Tyson, what are we going to do? And I came away with this thinking that his process looked a lot better than his results did, and I'd be happy with him, you know? Well, 100%. One is because uh, you had talked about this previously uh, last week. The concepts, he had some things going on, but, you know, they they yo-yo the tight end a few times. You know, he did have some, you know, audibles going on, but it, it seemed like it was, okay, we're going to keep this in a really easy box, right. you know. And there were a couple of times I'm like, man, is he going to get a delay game here? He was there was a lot more moving parts motion. He was okay. No, you have to stay out here. Like he had a lot more on his plate, which you wanted to see. Could he handle mm-hmm. that much on his plate also against better competition? And yeah, were the results up and down? Sure. He did not look like it was too much for him, which is no. what you wanted to see because you, is he going to be the backup quarterback or not? I need to see if he can handle this, not a drive, not a quarter. Let's have, I don't give him most of the looks for the the game because we need to test him out. And he the, could fail, and that's okay. We, that's data we need to see. Right, and the good news is is that if you're a PJ Walker fan out there, the Bears don't really care how he looks in pre in preseason and in camp. He has actual NFL tape that supersedes any of this stuff. Like yep. maybe they'll care about the practice tape that he's put out, but there's a reason that they're playing PJ in the third or in the late third fourth quarter, and they don't really care about it. It's not because they I don't know don't like PJ Walker. It's more that this was Tyson Badgett's opportunity to make the team and personally the the good news for the bears this uh upcoming season is that if you're rostering three quarterbacks sure you have to eventually make a designation on which one's the quarterback two and which one's the quarterback three but i just can't imagine it would be that hard nick to go from your quarterback two to your quarterback three and have your team's trainers pull him out of the game say he can't go the starters hurt we're going with the quarterback three whenever you chose to maybe they'll have an independent nfl official do that but i doubt it i bet they'd allow the team trainers to just be like whoops he's got an ankle thing and let the quarterback three go in whenever they want to but all this to say that bajant needs that experience that he's going to get repping practice week in week out going through game plans week in week out and like you're saying i couldn't help but also think that bajant clearly got excited and excited is a good thing we love it when a young kid gets excited but probably put a little too much pressure on himself in this game because there were a couple moments here and there where you could tell a sack happened and he was very very frustrated about it and again Mm -hmm. i love the passion but there was an i can't help but think that 
a setting where he can calm down just a little bit is going to help him in the future where maybe you don't have to worry. Look, I had a lacrosse coach when I was growing up. You may completely disagree with this, Nick, who had this mantra of every day is a tryout and it was exhausting. Like there is something really positive about having the security to know what you need to work on instead of feeling like every play is a play where you have to prove it, especially when you play a more distribution oriented style of quarterback. And if it's not there, there's just no way you're converting this third and 18. You know what I'm saying? No, I I agree with you there because I think, well, there's, I think there's kind of two ways to coach. I think there's one where, you know, your coach cares about you. And, and he's going to support you through it. Another one where it's where they make you basically, you have to like run through this brick wall and you don't know if they're going to be there afterwards. You know what I mean? Like, right. like, like fear your coach versus you have a support. Like I I'm, I'm always the supportive coach. Like, okay, what did you see? Let's talk through this. One of the things, not, not okay. Right. You have to do this or you're going to be kicked off the team. So, you know, the one thing I liked about Bajan, uh is we saw a lot more adversity today. Yes. And I mean, there were some bad, bad situations. Fumbled snap, high snap, way out of the way, bad pass pro. I mean, here, here I went through complimenting Kellen D. Sure, like, oh, maybe. And, and he, like, forgot about the snap count, I think, on that one. Like, yeah, he was so he had, he late off one. the line. And, but the one thing I got that I took away from Bajan is he navigated the pocket so well. Like, yeah, he did. Oh, my God. Dipping his shoulders, small movements, not, not just jumping into sacks. Like, he bought time. And then once he got out there, the, the one to Mooney, he should have been a couple more feet outside uh, in the end zone there. But the idea is right. It was it was it wasn't a bad throw. It could have been just better. And then even late in the game, he threw in a way where he had to buy more time. And I'm like, man, like he's he, he's stacking more of these again things in his toolbox right. that make me comfortable having him be the quarterback too in Chicago. We're talking about a UDFA. It's not going to shock anybody that there are holes in his game and. If he had perfect ball placement to go with everything else he's showing us, he could actually challenge, not on this team because the Bears are too invested right now in Justin Fields, but he could challenge reasonably for a starting job. Ball placement, Nick, is the only spotty part, I think, of his game where, especially when he's on the move, the ball's coming in behind his receivers an awful lot. Mm -hmm. Or like the one that we saw in Cole Komet that technically came back, the ball was high enough that what could have, should have, would have been a score turned into Cole Komet having to step out out of bounds. Whatever. Like, imperfect ball placement really is something that you can navigate. Yeah, better ball placement gets you that much more yak, but we've seen enough of these examples, especially on those RPOs last week, of Badgett putting the ball, Bajant putting the ball in exactly the right place to where you're comfortable with it. If we've got a 50, 50 shot of anything beyond 10 yards being eh, something the receiver is going to have to go make a play on. We'll take it because there's enough of these other things that I don't want to say you can't teach them, but that clearly Bajant is not afraid of because he's got so many pass attempts under his belt that this really is second nature worth remembering Justin Fields came out of Ohio State having thrown the ball in a game 618 times. Tyson Bajan over 2,000 times. So like you're saying, (laughs) navigating pressure, the edge rushers are faster here. The offensive linemen are better. Everybody's bigger. Everything's Mm -hmm. faster. But navigating the pocket is something he's been doing for a while. So it's still natural. It feels like it translated. And I just can't help but feeling like the Bears might have gotten a steal out of this kid. 
Oh yeah. And there, and there was, there was also, um, you know, you, you're talking about, you know, bigger, faster, stronger that, that one pass, you said it was a slant to Webster, uh, later. It was actually, it was a return route. So I gotcha. So, so like they're like, they're going to fake like going out and they come back inside. But when he threw that, there was a guy in his face, which we haven't seen a lot of those either. That's not the easiest thing. I mean, fields does it all the time. He had to last year, unfortunately, but that was another good thing to see as well. And, and it, all of these things stacked on top of it. I think you you talked about accuracy. I think that would get better too once he knows who he's playing with. Like he gets reps with, like he got reps with Mooney and Komet. I don't know how many reps he got with them being not that long ago, the QB4. You know, like I don't know. He's played with them a whole lot. So like things being a little bit in front, like you know, that one out on the scramble to Mooney, he might be like, man, he's actually a lot faster than I thought he was. I've only thrown him like five times exactly. in practice, you know? So I think, I think that's going to be something that's going to get better. Cause we'll figure out who the, you know, five, six receivers are. He'll play with them a lot more, et cetera, moving forward. I think that's going to get better too. And the one thing I can't keep thinking of is, or I keep thinking about is the backup quarterbacks for Chicago over the years, like last year with Trevor Simeon, I feel like I feel better with, Tyson Bajan than I do with Trevor Simeon. A couple of years ago, Andy Dalton, I would trust more because Dalton had so much NFL starting experience, but it's been a long time besides Dalton that I would feel more comfortable with anyone besides Bajan. It's, it's so funny because I feel like everybody loves the unknown, right? I see this all the time on offensive line, Nick, and I'm not about to call you out because you haven't done this yet, but if you ever do, I will poke fun at you where people say to themselves, well, surely the guy I don't know can't be worse than the guy I do. Surely Dieter Iselin can't be worse than Sam Mustafer. It does get worse. Yep. And and so there's some of the stuff with Bajan where I actually think as of right now, if something horrible happened and Bajan had to start week one, you are getting just as much advantage out of playing a guy that there's not really any tape on in the NFL as you are at a disadvantage because there are going to be ways to sucker a guy like Bajant that he needs to catch up on sooner rather than later, or he could have a game where he throws four interceptions and he might lead to touchdown drives, right? Yeah. But yeah. again, you on it on an 11 play drive where you grind your way down the field and you throw it eight times, all you have to do is make one mistake for that drive to end very quickly. And I'm not, I'm not saying this because I'm like, I don't know, freaking out about Bajan. It's more mm -hmm. that he, like a lot of quarterbacks that I've scouted, is gutty about where he's going to put the football. He knows it needs to be there. Dadgummit, he's going to put it there. And that can work really well for you. But if it doesn't, two times out of ten, that's too many times. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so I, I just, no, you're 100% correct. Um, I want to pivot this to to one other aspect of, of Tyson Bajan. PJ Walker that comes from the bears blog, which I don't think this was you. I think this would be your boss, but um, he said this before the game and it got me really thinking about it and it had me leaning a lot more towards, I'm not sure that PJ Walker makes the 53 or another quarterback. And this is why here. And here's the tweet. It says I've had, I've had a rethink on Bajan. If field suffers a serious injury, Bears season would be effectively over. Roster isn't good enough yet to reach postseason with a PJ Walker. So if Bajan looks the part, make him the two, it'll at least make the games Justin Fields doesn't play um, more interesting, which I thought about that. And I'm like, okay, let's say, I mean, you know, if it's like one game or two games with PJ Walker, kind of like last year when someone else had to come in besides Fields, 
I get it. But if, if, if this is eight games, this is 12 games, P.J. Walker's not going to lead us to the playoffs. I mean, it's going to be a, a big hurdle if Fields can lead us to the playoffs. I mean, we can, we, we can hope all of these other pieces come together. So if that's the case, man, I would rather develop Bajant, who arguably you could debate who's better right now on the field, but also in terms of a development, in terms of who's going to be better down the line for you, it's I would think it's it's Bajant. So, man, I really wonder if he's only the only quarterback that we keep besides Fields. Now, maybe someone else on the practice squad, but I think it really makes a good debate that I didn't think of. So that's that's a, a kudos to your boss. You can let him know. Well, I mean, it, it is a kudos to him, but also for all I know, he had a conversation with somebody. I, I can't say anything because I don't know anything. I really don't. That's not me hinting. I just... Mm-hmm. You never know. But so I I can't help but wonder aloud, how much do the Bears value having a veteran that can watch the film and go through things with Justin? Because if I was Justin Fields, I don't really need Tyson Bajan's opinion, at least not in week one. Like I come off the field after a drive stalled in field goal range and I say, okay, what are they doing? And Tyson like stands up holding his iPad and he says, okay, there I'm, I'm going to just turn my head and look at Lugetzi. Like, love you, Rook. Not now. We're, like, we're working. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah I absolutely yeah. want to develop Tyson Bajan. That's really the only hurdle is that for a team that's winning now, you have to support your quarterback. You look at all these Bears quarterbacks in the past, the Bears QB2s, all of them have been better coaches on the field than they've been actual quarterbacks. Favorite example is Chase Daniel, who as much as everybody makes fun of for how much people pay him to not throw the football, it's clearly on purpose, right? Like clearly they love what Chase does as an extra coach in the room, like working with the quarterbacks. And so uh, what I don't know is how good is uh, PJ Walker at that role? Is PJ Walker's roughly seven years of professional football experience like is that something that comes into play or is he the kind of guy that says, man, I just go out there and play ball. I don't know what you're talking right. about. Right. Like, or, 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 or is Peterman better at that? Are, are some of them better at helping others? I mean, sometimes people right. are more internal, like, like we don't know those factors and, but I can't help but think one of those two guys would be eligible to go on the practice squad. Like we can, we can put them on there and maybe that's how you save a roster spot here. Maybe though. The, I don't think the practice squad guys can sit on the sidelines. Can they? I, I, I have no idea. Like, well, it, it Oh, you're right. Hmm. I don't know. That it's it's a conversation the Bears will have to have. But yeah. I think a three quarterback roster makes sense to me because you're yeah. right. I mean, in the modern NFL, you know, when quarterback one goes down, you're screwed. But at the same time, I look at a guy like Tyson Bajan and I think to myself, if it happened, nice. If it happened too early, like if you had to put Bajan in probably earlier than week six. I would be legitimately worried about him putting himself in trouble, if that makes sense. Purdy got this nice eight weeks of sitting on the bench and learning game plans. I think that's critical. I think it's a core part of the story. I don't think he could have gone in any sooner because he'd been through all kinds of game planning where he probably didn't even have to open his mouth. Because he got to listen to Trey Lance getting spoken to by the quarterback's coach, Jimmy Garoppolo, that whole on time. And so mm-hmm. now you end up with this at least a couple weeks that before Bajan goes in, I think he just needs to learn the ropes. I don't think you want to put him through uh, waivers because I do think that somebody out there would claim him. We oh, just yeah. saw this is the most important thing I think I could bring up to this conversation. We just saw the Cowboys trade a fourth round pick for a quarterback that will not be quarterback two. 
it is clear that there is at least some teams out there that think quarterback three is now an official spot in a quarter in a league that's been a two quarterback league for as long as I could remember, because Mm -hmm. you just didn't need a third one ever. Now with the new quarterback three rule, you might. And it's funny. I mentioned the Cowboys because I do think Tyson Bajit could easily be a Cooper rush style story in not very long at all, but he'll have to write that. We'll, we'll just have to wait and see. One Mm -hmm. more player that I at least want to talk about before we close up. Not that we're even that close, but Tyler Scott caught punts. Sweet. Sounds like the Bears have their returner. And I I wish we'd seen a little bit more as a receiver from Tyler Scott, but the Bears passing game has been very, very, very bare bones. Like, it's so funny, (laughs) Nick, because I can't help thinking that a lot of these other offenses that are more vertical, I think Buffalo's a great example where Josh Allen's going to throw the ball 40 times a game. Yeah, you need a lot of different play concepts in the playbook, and that means in the preseason, your vanilla can be a little more, more like vanilla bean, right? But for the Bears, who probably still plan to run the ball 55% of the time and use very, 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 very few plays, like not no plays in the playbook, but just a less diverse passing game overall. That means you end up with the same couple West Coast plays. Um, you get that one rollout play. They they really don't want to show a second rollout play. Yep. Yep. And and that's kind of it. Like a slot fade sometimes. It's it's hilarious watching the Bears in this offense, but I do wish Tyler Scott had gotten a chance to show off a little bit more. Uh, ideally, we'll see him in the season, but Whenever I think about standout rookie receivers, generally I feel like they surface in the preseason at least a little bit. And all we've got of Scott is a catch and fumble. But yep. that's how yeah. it goes. Developmental receiver. I, I mean, I okay, one, yeah, he got a ton of reps at punt returner. It was very, very noting. Also, the you know, the kick return that he had was very exciting. I I immediately after the play thought of the gif of oh no, baby, what is you doing? Like Cut outside. Like, like that's a touchdown. Like, go outside. You're faster than a kicker. Like, just go. And he ran inside and whatever. But he didn't look comfortable as a punt returner. Pre-game no. warm-ups, he struggled. Uh, there was one he let bounce into the end zone that lucky it went there because he should have caught like the seven or nine, I think it was. Another one he almost missed and dropped. Another one he fell down catching as a fair catch. I was like, oh my gosh. Like, I don't know that I'm more comfortable with him than I am Bayless being a punt oh, returner right terrifying. now. So I was like, oh, oh. So right there, uh, that's I how I like felt. That. <laughs> yeah, yep. it's, it's just it's maybe it's almost like at a high school where you're like you know what we're just gonna block them with 11 and wherever the punt goes it goes like we're, i don't just don't catch it right now i mean I seriously mean, is the punt returner on the roster it has to be right I, I mean unless the bears are gonna actually cut somebody and bring them in I can't imagine them not having somebody on the roster for it, if only because there just aren't that many spots, ironically. Like, you could change the bottom of the roster DBs, but when's the last time you saw a DB doing punt return, kick return? Like, I've always seen an offensive player doing it. And so... DJ Moore got some reps, didn't he, in practice? Oh, don't put DJ Moore back there. I mean, I mean, just a fair catch. <laughs> he did. He did. You but could just so, like you're saying, though. I mean, I would nearly rather not field a punt returner than muff the punt. Like muff even one punt. You just can't yeah. give that away. I, I've always thought basic take here. Like this could be way too simple. But the worst part about a punt muff is that it's almost always inside the thirty. 
Like you rarely muff a punt down the field enough to where you're like, oh, that stinks, whatever. Like it functions as a 65 yard bomb uh, when you muff one of those things. And let's envision for emotion's sake that the Bears are in a tight game week one against Green Bay and then they muff a punt and the Packers capitalize off it and the script flips. That's going to that's going to feel terrible. And so I could just about not care. Like if the Bears wanted to roster Nisimba Webster just so he could go back there and look normal on a punt return, I would dare say I understand it. But at the same time, I don't know. I mean, as your as your sixth receiver, and if he's going to do that, because let's be honest, I did some stats actually. I put on Twitter in terms of how much a kick returner doesn't matter because of how much they're they have touchbacks or returns are less than the twenty five, and they should just kneel it anyway. But it's really just about punt returning, and like. If you want these roles for all these guys and they have to play special teams, which we talked about in our last episode, how important that is, this really should be a punt returner. And I know I mentioned this, and this is a little bit of a um, a sad story, is I mentioned Jakeem Grant, you know, mm-hmm. he actually got injured, had to go out in an air cast today, which is sad, former <sighs> bear, terrible. but... That, I think that spot should be that guy. So if it's not going to be Scott, which I know that would be a great to like save the spot. Cause I mean, I know you like Velas, but if, if Tyler Scott's your, your guy, you might only roll with five receivers. Maybe I, I can't think of a team that rolled with five receivers. Like maybe you do like you're saying, maybe you have a special teams ace that technically fits that wide receiver spot, but I don't know. I think the weirdest part about this game, if I was going to wrap up our conversation here, is that this game, to me, managed to not move the needle so hard that I'm amazed that I watched an entire football game that changed nearly none of my opinions. I mean, it was it was wild seeing the Bears walk this out and say, this is a practice football game. And there's no bigger statement to me than what Eberflus has said was Justin Fields' snap count hitting 13. And they were like, that's it, you're done. Uh, Whether it was first quarter, like that's all you've got, or whether it was 13 snaps or whatever, the Bears yanking Fields in the red zone so that Bajit could just hot start in that situation I mean, it's great situational football to get an early look at what Bajan can do inside the end zone. You don't know if he's going to get back there again uh, throughout the rest of the game. But it's such a clear reminder that this is a very formal joint practice, uh, at least oh. that the co- the coaches were treating it that way, yep. more so than an NFL game. And the moment mm-hmm. you get there with a patchwork offensive line and the Bears calling functionally none of the plays that are going to give it. Because when I talk about the difference in offense, for dear listener, the main reason we talk about that is because the entire purpose of calling a cohesive offense in the first place is to give your offensive players leverage advantages that they can take advantage of. When you don't do that and you put your twos against their ones and you call standard inside zone, they have such an advantage over the standard play because or that that you would run otherwise because you didn't give your guys any bonus advantage and they're already under talented in the first place. So mm-hmm. it, it kind of felt think like of, think of a high school scout team against the starters. It's a right. massacre. Like just right. don't do it. I I have a few positives and a, and a couple negatives. I only only have a little bit of time left. Cairo Santos. Bang. Perfect this preseason, which is good. I mean, for a guy that we, you know, missed a couple extra points and a couple field goals, I expected a better year last year. Perfect. That's, hey, that's a positive. We can hang our hat on there. Um, This is something that I caught in the interview with Ryan Poles that was something that was a concern of ours that 
This is good news. I did not realize Braxton Jones put on 10 pounds of muscle this offseason. That's awesome. So that could help with that that bull rush issue. Maybe he had a little more of a to anchor with. Um, the sad stuff we got we have to just touch on briefly is some of the injuries. So Doug Kramer now with a small cast on his hand. Um and Noah Sewell got carted off. He got leg whipped. I don't know what happened in yeah, terms of his either. injury there. But that stuff could affect your numbers. Who makes the 53? Komet got dinged on that pass uh, on the sideline. Mm-hmm. He got up slowly, but I don't know. They went into the tent. But Dante Foreman did go into the injury tent. I don't know what for. Um, but those are just some injuries that could affect the 53 for sure. The good news is, is it's none of the people that like matter, matter. I mean, one of the most obnoxious parts about this preseason, that's not to say none of those guys matter, Nick. It's more to say that, like, oh, I know. DJ, oh, I know. DJ Moore, like Justin Fields. Um, honestly, you could even list guys like Andrew Billings, Justin Jones, because say what you will about those two, Nick, their backups are worse. Like, I, I, yep. I am excited about what Gravon Dexter and Zach Pickett's could become more than anything when I talk about those picks. I still love the fact that the Bears invested anything in the defensive line. It, there's an element of, well, it can't get worse than what, what it would have been without these guys in here. With that said, the, the the injuries that they have somehow all hit places of depth. If Cole Kmet has a concussion, you've got Robert Tanyan and Mercedes Lewis, and especially in week one. like They know them. Right. Like that that's the idea. I don't want to say it's the ideal tight end pairing, but like, man, you're talking about stealing all the offensive wealth. Um yep. so I, I can't help but look at this and I think to myself the most bizarre part about this as a fan is that we don't know because Matt Eberflus, as I understand it, has listed literally every injury whenever it's asked about as day to day. They are giving us oh, no. no information. If this oh, was an actual game. How many of these guys are playing? Probably all of them, we would assume, but we can't know because we're not there yet. It sounds like not Jenkins, which is a huge bummer. But when the original prognosis was it could miss up to six weeks, I don't know about you, I got ready for this. So I can't help walking away from this game feeling like, hey, okay, preseason's over. And it sucks that a lot of these guys got hurt in some capacity, but also how serious are these injuries? I have no idea. For yeah. Doug Kramer's sake, I hope he's healthy purely because that would suck if he missed all of last season only to get hurt right before cut down day on this season. Mm-hmm. But we'll have to see, won't we? Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. And I got in this debate prior to uh, the game starting, which you had saw with uh, Jonathan Wood, really smart guy, Bears guy. But I don't know what we're going to do at center. I mean, if let's say Lucas Patrick doesn't isn't healthy. Right. I mean, I, I debated, I mean, does he make the team? I know it's like, well, it makes sense he does. But, I mean, if if he's not, let's say Kramer doesn't, I mean, we got to figure something out here. Because oh, yeah. I don't think Lucas Patrick is that good, honestly. I think he's like Justin Jones level. Like, right. he's there because you got nobody else right now. Um, that's something you got to figure out. Um, Tevin Jenkins, Brad Biggs said, is in a walking boot now. It's the first time we've seen him. And only one of his is right foot. So that's something, I guess, to kind of think on. But that's one thing I kind of, as a takeaway, I mean, you lose Kramer, but that interior line is just so beat up right now. Like, if they're not healthy, we have to bring in some guys for sure. And I mean, Eddie Jackson, Jaquan Brisker are both out. I don't think either of them have some serious injuries. So it's very clear that the injury that will hold you out of practice in preseason games is not probably the same as what would the the injury that would hold you out of an actual game, which 
has me asking, Nick, how beat up are we on the offensive line? Like, Nate Davis didn't play today. Why, Nate? <laughs> like the, the the weirdest question mark of the offseason, by the way, is Nate Davis not practicing. Like, like I don't understand. It's weird, and it is what it is at this point. Like, would Darnell Wright have played if it was week one? I don't know if that would have been better, to be honest with you. Just because I honestly, Nick, would look you in the eyes and ask the question, who do you think week one would stand up better to a more than likely injured Rashad Gary? Third year Larry Borum, who at least has some NFL experience and has played against this guy personally, or Darnell Wright, rookie, who just missed the last couple of weeks due to ankle in it, or due to an ankle hiccup. Darnell Wright, because I saw him do well in the SEC, and I have not seen Larry Borum hold up in the NFL or SEC because he was at Missouri. So I I just I would trust Darnell Wright. But yeah, that's the debate, as well as as well as the interior, because as well as like I want people to be healthy. Getting reps and getting rid of rust matters too. So that's the one thing that has me worried is the rust. Yes. I think this Bears team could come out very rusty, especially because all this Packers offense has done this uh this preseason has basically played the ones until they scored a touchdown and then they get to high five about it. And it feels like it's built up some momentum. Maybe I'm looking over the lake a little bit too mm-hmm. uh, scared, to be honest with you, just because, Nick, I, I can't help feeling like if the Bears lose week one, it is a pretty definitive little brother moment for for Chicago. That if you, like, Favre is gone, Rodgers is gone, and if that first game back, you can't take it away from a Packers team that they've got players like nobody ever said that they don't have players, but this is still just about your best shot that you're going to get before the team really gels with a bunch of young weapons. So we'll see, but either way, I am so excited that we finally get to step away from preseason because there's good analysis to take here, but man, Nick, you got to really dig for it, you know? Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And so, so yeah. So now, I mean, we're still going to be, you know, bringing this podcast. So the next one's going to be, We'll talk about the cuts, see who made this 53. Um, you know, I think we'll have some preseason or some some before the season predictions, you know, maybe win-loss record, Absolutely. maybe some, some stats. But then also, like, you know, this show isn't about us. It's about the Bears and what you guys want. If there's some topics that you guys want, feel, feel free to reach out to me or Robert. And, and yeah, maybe if it's a good idea, we'll, uh, we'll give you a shout out and be like, hey, this guy wanted this, and here's to your segment. And let's see, just just saying it out loud, just saying it out loud, Nick. Uh, the Khalil Mack trade happened roughly a week before week one, right? <laughs> Eight days. Eight days before week one, so after cut time. And I mean, look, I am totally just dreaming a football dream. I am not trying to suggest that the Bears are going to trade for Chris Jones. But I will say, Nick, that it has gnawed at me that – the organization pulls left from Kansas City has Matt Eberflus's dream player who is becoming so disorderly within the Chiefs ecosystem that he might just force his way out. There's no reason for the Chiefs to want to trade Chris Jones. Under any normal circumstances, they shouldn't trade Chris Jones. But he's 29 years old, and he's now saying that he's willing to go all the way to week eight, like taking fines. Mm-hmm. I think it's a million bucks a game that he misses to make his point. And at some point, if I was Brett Veach, I would ask myself, okay, I know I could like 
force you to play for us and then I could tag you and then I could trade you next year. But what am I going to lose in the process? How much value are you going to lose between 29 and 30? Because I'll tell you, as a Chicago fan, Nick, I'm just not near as interested if it's next year. If it's this year, I could trade for him. I could pay him. You could guarantee three years. You could line that right up with Justin Fields' cheap years. And then if he's still great at 33, sure, you keep him on. But if not, you wave goodbye. You go find your next three technique. It is just funny the way that you would swear the stars are aligning for a deal that will not happen. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, you know, it's one of those things where I saw the rumor and I was like, no, we're not ready yet. It's going to be a lot of money. He's 29. But then, but, but then I dove into it more and Aaron Donald's 32 and Javon Hargrave is 30. They both got paid and they've both been producing at, at, you know, later stages. I'm like, okay. And then I looked at Chris Jones. I said, okay. And, and again, I've mentioned this before. I like PFF as I mean, I like football, but I, I PFF, we said that's another source. Here's his finishes among his position over the years. Last year was first, fifth, second, sixth, sixth, seventh, and then 28th as a rookie. He's been a top seven defensive tackle yep. almost his entire career. And you know, the money that he wants rumored to be 30 million a year, that would make me feel nervous, but 26.67 is what PFF and my buddy Brad Spielberger are are suggesting. That's a little more than Hargrave got at 21 per. And like you said, if you can make that match up to the three years, maybe at three years, that's all the guaranteed money. And then afterwards is, you know, is, is the fake money or if he's good, you keep it. I say yes, because of this. Our defensive line sucks. It's bad. And, and, and the D tackles are the worst position. You put Chris Jones in there. Now, all of a sudden, there's and, and Andrew Billings is the one tech. That's perfect. That's exactly what you want. Billings can just run stuff that thing. Then Chris Jones can be the three tech and just cause havoc. And then it helps Yannick and, and everyone else benefits in terms of pass rushing as well. And he's a good run defender too he's not just a pass rusher like hargrave really is he's a run defender too that's good and it changes everything remember when mac they traded for him and the 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 light switch shifted it was like we're trying now they believe in us now and everyone raised their game and in a weak nfc in a weak nfc north with no rogers i think it changes almost everything and in terms of compensation Am I going to give up two firsts for him? Not a chance. No. The first, that's a debatable thing. Could it be a couple of twos? You know, we could debate on what the compensation is, but adding a superstar, because he is, to a the weakest part of our team in the rookie window of Fields' contract just makes sense. And you know what? I'm a fan as much as anything else. Like I, yes, I'm an analyst and I take this seriously, but at the same time, Nick, you're giving me the chance to add Chris Jones to my team so that they could pop that graphic up the moment that the bears play on Fox and they could say the bears had pick number one and they turned it into Darnell Wright, DJ Moore and Chris Jones. And I go, yes. (laughs) Like when Brian Pace traded for Khalil Mack, he used the bears draft capital. You could trade for Chris Jones. You could give up Nick a one, and a two, and you could do it all with Carolina Capital. Not that you should. Maybe you should give up the Chicago one and then the Carolina future two, like the 2025 two. But mm-hmm. 
I don't know. You you'd have to make this really worthwhile to Kansas City because you're basically taking the heart and soul of their defense and asking for it. I don't think it'll happen. I, I really don't. Yeah. But no, I don't either. I, is, that that one's that one I think is more realistic than Jonathan Taylor to me. Yes, much more realistic than Jonathan Taylor. That's for sure. The Bears got linked to so many people throughout this offseason. It was clear that people said, uh, "Okay, we got three teams. We know the Saints are involved. We know that I don't know." Atlanta wants this guy. Uh, we need a third team for the article. Just stick the Bears in. They got a lot of cap space. They got a lot of draft capital. <laughs> Maybe they'd do it. They're bad. Uh, it's just, mm-hmm. and so it, it was clear the Bears, to me at least, got connected to all kinds of deals that I just don't think Ryan Poles had any interest in. But this no. is kind of, um, it's not even low-hanging fruit. It's more one of those 30, 30, maybe 25 NFL teams. This just doesn't make any sense to them. But the Bears are so bad at that specific position that, and right now, just fabric of the league, like you said, there are older players getting longer deals. And so you look at that to me, it's like, yeah, I mean, if he's actually on the block and the Chiefs are actually nervous about it, let's let's have the conversation. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm here for it. But Mm -hmm. also, I'm a rabid fan and an animal. And there are times where I want Justin Fields to be able to play a football game and win scoring 20 points because you can't score 28 points and win week in, week out. And you can apparently on this last year's bears team score 28 points a week and lose anyways. So at some point I want to see fields have the opportunity to go out there, execute on offense, score 25, 27 points, call it a day. Even that's an above average output. And Chris Mm -hmm. Jones, I think gets you close to that, but you know, that's a, it's a dream. It's a Madden Mm -hmm. moment. You know, the one thing, and this is me as a coach, like I know a lot of people like didn't think of this as a coach. I saw that and I was like, Oh wow, he's gonna keep offensive linemen off of Tremaine Edmonds yep. and TJ Edwards, which a lot of people don't think of. But I'm like, oh, that will be so big for them and their athleticism. Like all, like it just makes so many, so many residual benefits to this team. It would be huge. That, yeah, it would just it would. And, and as you said, as a fan, like we have this money. I get it. But at some point, you have to spend the money. You have these draft picks, but they might not work out. Like Chris Jones, he is good. He is. You, you don't have to do any of the emotional and mental work of developing somebody. Uh, I saw a tweet and it was blatantly wrong. I'm going to make the can't make this clear enough. This was not real. It was just like a rumor tweet that got posted in my discord. And it was it said something about like the rumor is Darnell Wright's ankle is a season ending injury. And <laughs> it's not can't say it enough. It isn't. But in the three seconds that I thought it might be, it made me realize how fallible draft picks are you could take a guy in the top 10 and if tevin jenkins ends up with a back injury or darnell wright's ankle effectively like shatters and is never the same then that player does not become chris jones it is so much more statistically likely that 30 year old chris jones will reflect 29 year old chris jones than it is that darnell wright will look like honestly pick a comparison anything we don't know until the moment that he gets to the NFL, we don't know. You know what I'm saying, Nick? Yep. Well, and, and, and also, I mean, just and this is bad as a Bears fan. I mean, I think of Shea McClellan. I think of Dan Bazine, like these defensive linemen that did nothing, that we, we that were supposed to be pass rushers, were supposed to be, you know, yes. whatever. And they, and they didn't work out. And you know, my, Michael Haynes from Penn State, yep. you know, back with, with Grossman in that draft. I mean, there's, there's a lot of those where – 
you know he's going to work out. And so, yeah, would it be great to have him at age 26? Sure, it would be. But would have loved it. So you never would have. You can him. have him for for three, three or four years potentially, or he's an All Pro for two years, and then all of a sudden we make the playoffs. You're gonna look back and be like, you know what? Nah, that was way too much because with this we could have done this, this we could have done that, but you missed out on the window. And I've heard this with like the Colts, for example. The Colts built this team all through the draft, and they tried to just duct tape the quarterback position with right. Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz and Phil Burrs for your whatever. And it didn't work out because they tried to get too cute with the money they had and the draft picks, et cetera. And it didn't work at some point you need to make it work. And we are pushing with the receivers now are there and the line needs to get a little bit better. But if you can put him in there, your defense all of a sudden isn't crap. It can be middle of the road to maybe good. Yeah. I mean, I can't help but think that there is no phrase that has gotten more popular, Nick, than beating your chest and saying, nah, we're going to build through the draft. And that's great. It really is. But there are so many ways for building through the draft to collapse in on yourself and fail. And people don't acknowledge that, right? We always talk about how, you know, instant gratification doesn't work in the NFL. And totally true. Right. You look at uh, you look at teams that spend massive money in free agency like the Patriots just not so long ago, as well as a billion other examples. I can remember the Buccaneers. I can remember the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like I can remember so many spending sprees. Those teams just fall apart. They're paper thin and stuff happens because you bring in too many injured guys that are like mm-hmm. not injured explicitly, but they're older and therefore they get hurt because football is a violent game. People don't talk about what happens when so. Nick, I can't help but think that it always comes back to if you draft a running back and the running back's a stud, you have to pay him because people always forget about how hard it is to manage a locker room of human beings. Like, you can't not pay Shaq Leonard because linebackers aren't worth it, right? You Mm -hmm. can't just not pay Jonathan Taylor. The Colts are sure trying, and it wouldn't surprise me if it's going to really put a dent in that Colts locker room in total. That's happened with Cole Komet. Bear veterans were like, hey, look, he does pay you if you do well. That that made a change in the Bears locker room by doing that. That's 100% true. Kyle Long's extension, as I understand it, was Matt Nagy walking in and saying, Ryan, we can't not pay this guy. And therefore, Kyle gets an extension after the best Bears year in a decade in 2018. It happens. It's real. And so when you go through and you draft a bunch of players and suddenly you've got all these players at non-premium positions asking you for money, you do end up where the Colts are. And Mm -hmm. there aren't a billion examples of this because most quarterback or most coaches and GMs just aren't as patient as the Colts have been. So we don't get many examples because normally you get Joe Douglas, right? Where you get the guy who builds through the draft, something goes cataclysmically wrong like spending the number two overall pick on a quarterback that you have to bench within two seasons. And then you go, never mind. Actually, we're all in and we always have been. And you just start spending next year's resources and whatever you got to do. Because to be honest, if you're not there to not have that pick, you don't care about it. Right. Well, 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 I even saw someone talked about, you know, I'm so glad Howie Roseman's RGM, you know, blah, 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 because of something. And I said, Howie Roseman drafted Jalen Rager one pick before Justin Jefferson. Like, like nobody is immune to making a bad pick or no. something doesn't work out. Like it's always going to have, there's always that chance that happens. So like, we can't just look at all the good moves because Ryan Poles, he's going to make bad moves. It's just, it's just going to happen. That's part of the whole thing. But one, one other thing I've got to add in here as, as I got a transition, 
But there's one other trade thing going on right now. Oh man, what is it? Happened happened during the game. It de- oh, Travis Gibson. Travis Gibson. Yeah, so apparently on the, the trade block. What do you make <laughs> of that stuff, man? I don't know. I have no idea. I really don't know. Dude, because- was he tweeting from the sideline, Travis? Get your phone out of there. I sit there and I look at that and I'm like, I I have no idea. I would look you in the eyes and say, I just don't know. Because maybe the Bears are fishing for a fourth round pick. I would trade Travis for a fourth round pick this season. Like, yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, dude walked out and had a forced fumble. Not 30 minutes after the fact. And he's done that all preseason. Like, I mean, it's so complicated. Because if they're really just going to cut Travis Gibson, I kind of have a huge problem with that. Like, what has Racine Green done to make the, or even Dominic Robinson, to make them more important than Travis Gibson? And I understand that there's money involved. But, like, one of these guys is performing for you. He's developing as a pass rusher. He's clearly gotten better. The other one has been kind of a Mm non-factor. But maybe they're just fishing. I have no idea. I, yeah. I can't make heads or tails of that. No, no. And and he's not part of this regime. So I get that part of it. And he has a little bit of a higher cap number because he's had some starts. That's how the works with those, those later round picks, but he's performed as we talked about this preseason. And so I, I want, again, in the end, there's all this, you know, potential, this or that, this guy could be this or that you have to make plays on the field. He's made plays on the field today couple weeks ago like and so those guys should earn roster spots and actually getting after the quarterback has been an issue for our d end room and he's been doing that along with yes. Terrell uh Terrell Lewis so it, it is really weird the only thing I could think of is either they want to save some money and so they want to get a pick for him and I don't know, use the money elsewhere or it's something they could bank for next year um I don't know. But again, we don't know how he's in media rooms. Maybe he doesn't about to vibe, say This almost you know? reads like they just don't like him uh, yeah. for one reason or another. And I, I don't know, but it wouldn't, it, it just wouldn't surprise me in a multi-million dollar industry if there are decisions made around. No, nah, I just don't get along with him. <laughs> I don't want to work yeah. with him. Yeah. But we'll have to see. That's one of those <laughs> things that'll really come to fruition by Tuesday. You know, oh yeah, it, it was just so weird during the game. I'm like, well, like yeah. not not last not night, before. not before the during the game. Like, what is going on? It was weird. It was so weird. It's, it was like they had it scheduled to tweet right around when Gibson would enter the game, uh, <laughs> which was just hilarious. But, anyways, Nick, thank you so much for hanging out with me. Where can folks find your work online as we close this up? Yeah, uh, I have some work on footballguys.com, and then uh, my Twitter handle is at underscore Nick Whalen, and that's just because the guy that was at Nick Whalen had like three tweets in 2015 and has never given up the handle. So at underscore Nick Whalen. He gotcha. He gotcha. I'm stuck. Bears fans, thank you so much for supporting. Give us a like and a review on whatever platform you're listening to this on. Let us know where we can improve the show. And until next time, thank you so much for bearing with us. Have a great rest of your day. 